Hey friend, this is a sermon MP3 from Lawson Heights Alliance Church. This is Sunday, July 17, 2022. And this Sunday we have the Reverend Paul Enns. He is our district missions consultant, and he's coming to share God's word with us today. May God bless you. the worship team. Uh, sometimes I send in advance the text I'll preach on or if it's asked for or assigned to me, but uh, it wasn't this week. Uh, Mike, I said, can I preach on anything? He said, yes. And so I've spent the week soaking in the book of Revelation. And it's amazing through the prayer, through the word, through the worship, almost everything I have in this message we've sung. And I love it when the Holy Spirit does that. So I just thank you, worship team, for listening to the Lord and leading us in worship. If you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of Revelation. We are not going to discover this morning the precise day or hour that Jesus will return. I can assure you of that. Uh, And I'm not making fun of that, but Jesus just said we won't know. Uh, There's a lot of things that we won't know or can't say definitively out of the book of Revelation, but there are some other things that are super clear. And basically, it's a revelation of who Jesus is and that we're called to worship him. So simply this morning, the title of the message is Worship Him. Worship Him. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. We're going to read the first five verses, and that's what I'm going to preach out of. And then we're going to read, actually, a description of the encounter that John had with the glorified or the risen Christ. So Revelation chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart, take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, And the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us. And has freed us from our sins. By his blood. Then move to verse 10. On the Lord's day I was in the spirit. And I heard behind me a voice. A loud voice like a trumpet. Which said write on a scroll what you see. And send it to the seven churches. Then verse 12. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, that's a reference to Jesus Christ, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. And his head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. And in his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. 
Jesus, you who are revealed in these pages, we come to worship you. Awesome and eternal God, you who have no beginning and no end, we worship you. Oh, Jesus Christ, through whom the Spirit reveals himself to us, we worship you. God, you who was and you who are and you who are to come, we worship you. Great God, who came to us in human human form, who lived, who died, who rose again, and who lives forever, we worship you. O God, who loves us with an everlasting, unquenchable, unquestionable love, we worship you. And you, God, like we have sung, you who have freed us from our sins and you have called us by your name, we worship you. Almighty, all-powerful God, who is first and last, who holds the keys of death and hell and sin and judgment, you who are holy and true, we worship you. Precious Lord Jesus, by your Spirit, enable us to worship you in spirit and truth. Yes, this morning, but moment by moment, day by day, for the rest of our lives here on earth and for all of eternity. We pray this in your name. Amen. What does it mean to worship? We hear or we see or we even use these phrases. Anybody hear a grandpa? Not that phrase, but anybody hear a grandpa? A number of you, look at that. And we, we look at the grandchild and we say, oh man, he worships his granddad. Or we see people who are completely dedicated to their work. In fact, that's the focus of their life. And they say he worships or she worships her work. Or we find someone who really admires, looks up to, has been influenced in a positive way. And they say he worships the ground that he walks on. What does it mean to worship? We'll get to a biblical explanation and example in a moment. But we need to ask ourselves, why is it that we're so obsessed with this thing about worship? And you might say, well, I'm not. And I'd say, well, you should be. Outside of the Bible, even, in the secular world, there is a recognition that there's a universal recognition that there is an urge, there is a need that, that's within us. We're hardwired as human beings. We have it built into us. We need to connect with someone or something that is greater than ourselves. And that's really what worship is. We see it, or maybe we experience it, or even express it. And thank you, Tyler, even though you're not here. At the Riders football game. I take it that he was speaking the word of the Lord because he mentioned the Riders. I don't want to be overstated, but I actually had it right here in my notes. I watched the game yesterday. Not a lot to worship about. But uh, you saw people who went crazy and did crazy things and lifted their hands and yelled and screamed and even knelt down. 
And I'm, I'm okay with being a fanatic or a fan for a game. But we see something that is wired into people. When I was watching that game, I flipped to a different channel, and I actually saw a huge rock concert in England. I didn't spend a lot of time there, but there was tens of thousands of people screaming and whispering and hollering and falling down for those that they worshipped. So we see worship. And worship is whatever we give our attention to, to what consumes our actions, our attitudes, what we use our money on, what we dedicate our time to. And so there's this daily need, this moment-by-moment need of refocusing and reframing the object of our worship. It says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, and it actually came out of the psalm, out of the text that Tyler prayed from this morning. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. That means to give our full attention to, to focus our attention on. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And so, just three things that we'll, we'll go through this morning through the text. Who it is that we come to to worship. Who do we worship? That's the first main thing. There's a hymn that many of us may be familiar with, and it goes like this. Turn your eyes upon... There you go. See, we, you know that hymn. And look full or deep into his wonderful face. In other words, give your full attention or focus your eyes on Jesus. That's the key, the secret, the foundation. Who do we come to or who do we look to? We look to Jesus. And so if you want to grow in worship, just spend time reading through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and look at Jesus and stand in awe of him. But that's not where our focus is this morning. Our focus comes out of Revelation and the words that we have just read. Who do we come to? We come to Jesus. And I'm sure many of us are aware of the fact that the, the name Jesus means the Lord saves. We actually sang about it a number of times this morning. The Lord saves. First and foremost, he's the one who saves us from our sins. Especially if you grew up in the church. I, I was born into a Christian family. I have never not known about the forgiveness of my sins. And some come later on. And sometimes there's a heightened awareness or appreciation because they're just stepping into it. But to have our sins forgiven is a motive for worship that never goes away. He saves us. He brings us into relationship with the Father. He saves us from ourselves. Any of you need to be saved from yourself? Oh my goodness, I do. Our own selves, our own tendencies to live a self-directed, self-centered life. He saves us from meaninglessness. He saves us from the, the hordes of hell that fight against us. He saves us from the one who steals, who wants to steal and kill and destroy. And, and, and the enemy is real. 
I was thinking about the power of the name of Jesus and how he is worthy to be worshipped. And it was back in the early 90s, many of you or some of you might remember the Martinsville crisis and all that went on there. It was a terrible, horrible, wicked, dark time in the history of that town. And we had people in our church who were some of the accused, and we had people in our church who were some of the abused. And we met every night to pray. That's, can you imagine, Mike, saying we're praying every night? People just showed up. I didn't even call it. Dozens of people came and prayed and cried out to God every single night. And I remember one night, it was about 2 o'clock in the morning, and I woke up, and our, and our bedroom was just full of this palpable, evil, wicked, dark presence. And I tried to talk, and, and I couldn't. Nothing would come out of my mouth. And I, and I turned to look at Cindy, and I saw that she was awake, and she was the same. And, and I just started to try to whisper the name of Jesus. I said, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And all of a sudden, that whole evil, dark, wicked presence was gone. The power of the name of Jesus who comes to save us. Do you need saving this morning? And you say, oh, I got saved in 72 or 89 or 95 or whenever it was. No, you were. And if you look into the scripture, it says we were saved. We are being saved. We will be saved. All of us need saving perpetually. And so because we need to be saved perpetually, we can worship continually the one who saves us, Jesus. So you got, if you've got nothing in the tank... A great way to worship is just to reflect and to say, Jesus, Jesus, thank you for saving me. Jesus Christ. Verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 2, the testimony of Jesus Christ. Verse 4, and from Jesus Christ who is a faithful witness. The word Christ simply means the anointed one. It's a title, yes, it was a title of the one who would come, the Messiah. But it's also a description of the title of the one who would come. And that is that he would come in the fullness of the Spirit. And so Jesus Christ was full of, anointed means to be smeared, covered, immersed, soaked in the Holy Spirit. And this Jesus who was conceived, he was conceived of the Holy Spirit. This Jesus Savior, he was born of the Holy Spirit. This Jesus Savior, he was filled or baptized or immersed or covered or soaked in the Spirit. This Jesus Savior went out, it says, in the power of the Spirit. And so we worship Jesus Christ. He is also called in one place the baptizer in the Spirit. It says that Jesus will baptize you with the Spirit. And so we worship him, not only because Jesus is full and anointed of the Spirit, because, but he is the one who comes to fill us. Who but God? Who but God could think of something so wonderful? He said, I'm going to send you a Savior who will save you, and then that Savior will fill you with myself, with God, so you can live like Jesus and do the works of Jesus. I don't know if you say amen in this church, but if you don't say amen to that, amen? Amen. We're going to talk about amen in a moment. 
Jesus Christ. Who do we come to? Who do we fix our eyes on? Who do we worship? Jesus, the one who saves. Christ, the one who is empowered, filled, anointed, and pours it out on us. That's verse 1, verse 2, verse 4. To the one who was, the one who is, the one who was, and the one who is to come. And each one of these are repeated over and over and over again in the book of Revelation. So Jesus Christ, the eternal one. How many of you here like change? Raise your hand. I, I guarantee you're under 40. How many of you hate change? Raise your hand. I guarantee you're over 40. When we're young, we embrace change more easily. When The older we get, the more difficult it is because so many moving parts in our lives, we're looking for an anchor. We're looking for a foundation. We're looking for the one who is eternal. And there's never been a time when God has not been. Think about that. He is, and He was, and He is to come. And there will never be a time when He will not be. And He he shatters the whole dimension of time. We're bound to time. This morning, I couldn't find my watch. I was running around. That's one of the reasons why we were a bit late. I couldn't find my watch. And I, thought, and I was driving here. I thought, how ironic. I'm speaking about a timeless God, and I'm worried about time. He's eternal. And so in our crumbling, frenetically paced, ever-changing world, there is one who is, and who one who was, and one who is to come, who is our constant, and he's worthy of our worship. Have you ever been pushed or pulled or disoriented by political trends, let's say? By taxes? Or gas prices? By tweets or Twitters or texts? Those are for all those who are 40 and under. Social media announcements. It's so easy. Just like that, we can become unfocused. But we worship the God who is and who was and who is to come, who is eternal. We'll just mention these in verse 5. He is the faithful witness. In verse 5, again, he is the firstborn from among the dead. We're talking about who we fix our eyes on. Who we worship. And then in verse 5 it says he is the ruler of the kings of the earth. How many of us feel like the world is out of control? Now let's be real honest. Hopefully not all the time. But maybe even in this last week or last two weeks or last month. Have you had a thought that said man this world is out of control? Okay. That's we're human. How many of us have thought that the Bidens or the Trudeaus or the Putins of this world run it? I tell you, I cower and quiver and give in to despair if I stop worshiping and start looking at those people. They're not. I have news for you this morning. They are not. The ruler of the king, kings of the earth is running the world. And the scriptures say in Psalm chapter 2 and verse 4, Why do the nations conspire? And why do the peoples plot in vain? And why do the kings of the earth take their stand and their rulers gather together? Any gathering together of rulers lately? A lot of it. And it says the one enthroned in heaven, that is the ruler of the kings of the earth. He laughs. He scoffs at them, and then he rebukes them in his anger, and then he terrifies them in his wrath, saying, 
I have instilled my king on Zion, my holy hill. He is called the ruler of the kings of the earth. Who do we come to worship? Who do we fix our eyes on? The ruler of the kings of the earth. And finally, out of verse 5 as well, it says, To him who loves us. To the one who loves us. And by the way, this is, we're only on verse 5. In the first five chapters, there are 50 different descriptors of God. We have enough material here to worship Jesus for all of our temporal life here on earth and for all of eternity. Just pick one a day or one a week or take one for a whole month to the one who loves us. In the midst of these amazing titles, in the midst of these amazing descriptions of God, we find in the middle to the one who loves us. He is the object of our affections and worship because he loves us. And the enemy would challenge that to no end. I, I tend to be a rather introspective person, and sometimes I can get very discouraged. Uh, I know that doesn't seem like it when I get up and preach, but it's true. And, and I can hear the voice of the enemy saying, he doesn't love you, he doesn't love you. It's a lie. The world around us will tell us that. Even our own thoughts, when we are in times of difficulty or testing, they will say, does he really love you? And the word of God and the spirit of God come to us and they say, yes, yes, yes. He spoke you into being. Think about that. And it wasn't a mistake. He calls you by name. He doesn't just say, hey, you, hey, you. He calls you by name. The God of the universe calls you by name. And he doesn't even just say, hey, Mike. Then it says that he sings over you. That's in the Bible. The God of the universe sings over you. The only true God he became a man. He entered into this world. Can you imagine the shift for God? But he did that because he loves us. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave or he sent his one and only son. And to those who punished him, punched him with fists and pierced him with swords, he verbally declared, I forgive you. Every single day of our lives, in creation around us, in the world that God has made, that is affected and influenced by the fall, but still God's creation cries out to us and declares his love for us. Who do we come to in worship? Jesus, the Savior, Christ, the Anointed One, the One who is and was and is to come, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, the One who loved us, and that's just the first five verses. That's who we worship. Refocus every day, sometimes many times during the day. And that's how we can be worshipers continually. How do we come to him in worship? There are likely hundreds, maybe thousands of ways. I'm just going to touch on two or three. 
from the scriptures. And they're not in any particular order. They're just the things that came to me when I was praying and preparing. It says in Psalm 95 and 6, Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Bowing down is not very common in our culture. In certain cultures in the world, and I was at assembly last week and we saw a few people from different cultures and a few of our international workers who live in other cultures. I remember Mark Jones walking around like this. And we're all thinking, what is he doing? Well, in the culture where he lives, this is a sign of submission, respect, thanksgiving. But let me ask you, when you get down on your knees, what do you experience? Humility, respect, submission, adoration. We see this in the Bible. In, in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 2, it says, The man with leprosy came, and it says he fell down or he knelt down before Jesus. Matthew 9, 18, it was the ruler who came and, it, and he knelt before Jesus. Matthew twenty two forty one. it's actually Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. It says, Jesus knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing. I'm proposing to us this morning that we need to actually return to a very old practice. And it's not just outward form. Okay, hear this clearly. Outward form can affect inward posture and reality. It doesn't always necessarily do that. But if we have the right attitude, so in your time, in your private time, and maybe even sometimes in your public time, get down on your knees. It'll bring us into a place of understanding of how great he is and how we submit to him. The second one is, so, is kneel, kneel down, bow down. Second is sing and shout. You go, oh, <laughs> Psalm 95, it's in the Bible, okay. Psalm 95, come let us sing for joy. This is just three verses after kneel down. Come let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. We'll take singing first. We can probably handle it more quickly than shouting. People of God, we must be the people of the song. Singing unleashes what is stored up within us. It gives verbal and emotional expression to what's inside of us. And the command to sing in the Psalms, it's, it's all through the Psalms. Like it's not just once or twice. It's dozens and dozens and dozens of times. And it's also found in the book of Revelation. Revelation 5 and verse 9 says, And they sang a new song. Chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, it says, They encircled the throne, and in a loud voice, they sang. And Revelation 5, 13 says, Then I heard every creature. Just imagine right now, close your eyes for a moment, and, and think of this, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And all of them. And it says, and they were singing. Brothers and sisters, we are to worship 
through singing. It's not the only way. There are many, many, many ways. But it's one of the ways. I took a seminary class once, and our professor had served as an international worker in South Africa. And he was talking about this worship thing, and he, he said, you know, I would go to their services, and they would go on and on and on, hours. And he said, I'll get so tired. And he said, one day an old man came up to me in the middle of worship. And he looked at me and he said, your worship wearies you. But our worship gives us new strength in Jesus. And he said, man, was I rebuked. And I'm not talking that we have to have services that go hours and hours. And I know that there's cultural considerations. But singing, everybody can sing. It doesn't matter if you're tone deaf. Sing to the Lord. There's some Mexican friends, and I won't give their names because I don't want to embarrass them if you ever meet them. But they were our neighbors. They came to know Jesus. And there's, there's a mom and a son, an adult son. And if you ever sit next to them during worship on Sunday morning or during the home group, it sounds awful. So if you're one of those tone-deaf people or you sit next to one, in the natural realm, it does not sound very good. In the spiritual realm, I, I actually, I would go and seek to sit next to them because I would watch them. And I could see that they were so in love with Jesus. I remember talking to that lady who was a grandma, an older lady. And she said, you know, I can't get through a day without worship. And she would just sing and sing to the Lord. So worship, even, and sing even if you can't. Another friend of mine from the north of Mexico, we were driving up a 14-hour. You want to take a 14-hour? We were in a Suburban. Not very comfortable. With a guy who can, he can't sing. And we're in the midst of it, and he's belting it out, and he goes, Hermano, brother, canto muy feo. I sing really bad. Pero canto con todo mi corazón. I sing with my whole heart. I said, you do? You do? Everyone can sing. Throughout this week, throughout the rest of our days. Let's be the people who are known for singing to the Lord in worship. Come, let us sing for joy. We're moving towards the end here. Let us shout aloud. We could pull a lot of these things and spend a lot more time in the book of Revelation seeing the expression of these things, but we don't have time. It says, let us shout aloud or let us shout loudly or joyfully to the rock of our salvation. I grew up in a wonderful church. I had a great pastor. He loved us. He loved Jesus. But shouting aloud to the Lord was not part of our practice. I don't think I can ever remember anyone. Except for one guy. As a kid, I thought he was crazy. I nicknamed him Amen Newfeld. No offense to any Newfelds here, please. I thought, what, what's that guy on? Like, spontaneously, at various times throughout the worship service, he would say, Amen! 
Amen. This is a non-amen church. It really was. And I thought, what, what is with it? And now reflecting back, I realized that this guy, he didn't care. He was so in love with Jesus that he would punctuate the service with, with exclamations or a loud voice of expression. And in the scriptures, we don't have time, but we find a surprising number of times when God's people worshipped loudly. I know that this little next exercise is going to raise your blood pressure just a tiny bit, but it's okay. I'm giving you warning. I want us to stand up. Can we stand up? D don't worry. I'm not going to embarrass you or anything like that. Just stand up just for a moment. This will only take like 30 seconds. And in your normal voice, okay, in your normal voice, the way you would speak to someone else in the street or in the morning to your kids, can we say together, and I will say one, two, three, and then we're going to say together, Jesus is Lord, okay? One, two, three. Jesus is Lord, okay? Now I want you to double your volume, okay? Just wait. We're going to do the same thing, okay? I'm going to go one, two, three, and then on double volume, we're going to say, Jesus is Lord. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord. Okay. Now we're going over the top. Okay. This, and this is the last one. So you don't hold back because you won't get another opportunity. Okay. So I'm going to do the same thing. One, two, three. And as loud as you can, I won't because I have a mic. But I, I, I'm going to, let's, let's say Jesus is Lord. Okay. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord. Amen. You can sit down. With a loud voice. Now, we know that this isn't always constant 24-7. I have a daughter who, if you speak to her in the morning, she almost wilts. She's, she's quiet time for two or three hours. I wouldn't do it at that time. But maybe in the after time, afternoon. On your way to the grocery store when there's nobody in the car. If the house is empty. I don't know. And sometimes here, maybe even on Sunday morning that we would speak and shout the name of Jesus. Did you know there was a whole group of people that were called the Shouting Methodists? It's because they were exuberant in their worship. So who do we come to in worship? Jesus, the Christ, the one who was and is and is to come, the faithful witness, the firstborn from among the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, the one who loves us. How do we come? We can come in hundreds and even thousands of ways. Look through the scriptures. Find your own ways of worshiping. But don't ignore what the scripture says about bowing down in reverence, about shouting out loud. And boy, if we had time, we'd go on and on and on. We don't. And we wrap it up with this, this kind of application. Why do we worship? Very simply put, we're wired for worship. God created us for worship. Not for the worship, all these things and stuff and other people, but to worship him. We're wired for worship. Second, he is worthy of worship. Revelation 9, 4, John is actually crying because no one has found worthy. And then the, the courts of heaven, the creatures and the 24 elders said, don't worry about it. And, and in 9, chapter 9, he says, he is worthy. He is worthy. And they sing. And in 9, 12, they say, worthy is the Lamb, Jesus, who was slain. And in 4.31, it says, you are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. 
We worship him because he's worthy. He is worth it. He merits it. He is the only one who deserves it and who should receive it. Worship. And finally, we worship so that others will come to him and worship. 5.9 says, you are worthy because you were slain, crucified. With your blood, you purchased people from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. Around the globe, God is drawing more and more people to himself. We worship and draw others into worship. We were at assembly a, a week ago, and, and, and for four days we heard stories of people from around the planet, new nations, new people groups, new languages, who before had no worshipers, and now there are worshipers. And the scripture says that there will be someone from every tongue and every tribe and every language and every people. And I bless you. We worship through our giving. You give graciously. You give sacrificially. I bless you for it. You give to the global advance and we send out workers around the globe so that people can hear the name of Jesus. We heard about it in North and West Africa, across Asia, into the Middle East. Nations are coming to know Jesus. And so in Revelation 7, 9, it becomes a reality where it says, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. And they cried out, note it says in a loud voice, they were over the top. Salvation belongs to our God. We worship God because he's worth it, he's worthy we worship God so that others will be drawn into worship of him, especially those from the nations. We worship because we're wired for it. I conclude with this story. Somebody said, you've lost your watch. I don't know how long I've been preaching. I for, uh, forgive me if I've been too long. But this, I conclude with this story. I met one of our pastors who's in Calgary. And he told me the story of when his mom died. And... He, he said, my mom was a quiet, reserved, not very expressive person. But he said, I had this dream. And in this dream, after she had died, she, she had gone to heaven and come back to earth. And she, she was in our worship service. He said, she, she was in the church that he was pastoring. And he said, and in this dream, she was walking she was walking up and down the aisles. And he said, this is not something that she would do. He said, this was something, obviously, this was showing me what was like for her. And she was walking up and down the aisles, and she was looking at people, and she was exhorting them and calling them and saying, worship him. Worship him. He's worthy. Worship him. He's way better than you think. Worship him. He's, he's full of honor. He's full of glory. Worship him. Worship him. Worship him. And so I, I join with my brother and his mom who is worshiping from the throne itself. And I say, let's be the people of worship. Worship him because he's worthy. Worship him because he's holy. Worship him because he's awesome. Worship him so that you don't lose focus. Worship him. Jesus, there's an old song that says, you're worthy. You are worthy, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and wisdom and strength and power and blessing. And so, Lord, we ask you by your spirit to make us worshipers. 
And not just for ourselves, but for those around us. And may our worship lead to witness. And may there be more and more people who worship you, because we have. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name.